The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing a car that's got style and substance to spare. The all-new RAV4 Limited. Featuring a sophisticated, muscular new exterior and available options like a premium JBL audio system and panoramic roof. The all-new RAV4 Limited. Toyota. Let's go places. JBL and Clarifier registered trademarks of Harman International Industries Incorporated. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy um, we're down one at the half to Duke, and Elijah Hughes has made the weirdest shot since um, the Pearl half-court shot in series history. That was hilariously dumb and effortless. At least the Pearl shot was like, he had his momentum going the right way. It was like what you see from like a half-court shot that it's made. Elijah Hughes lost his dribble with like a second left, heaved one from three-quarters court from almost exactly where the Cleveland State shot came from, and banked one in against Duke to put us down one at the half in one of the weirdest halves of basketball I've seen in a long time. Yeah, for those who weren't paying attention, SU started down 11 nothing. They battled back mostly behind Tyus Battle, pun intended. And yeah, since then, it's actually been a bit of a dogfight. We, uh, we, we're, we're in little, serious foul trouble. We're in serious foul trouble. Um, as, as per, actually, Syracuse is viewing this as an NCAA tournament game by making sure it's in foul trouble. So, someone's referring, like, the refs are calling a incredibly tight game. We've had some phantoms um, going on us. Uh, and yet, we're down one. I mean, a lot of it's that we've hit, like, I think six of, well, I guess now, like, seven of ten threes. And Duke is, like, two for, like, 12 or 13. So, that's, like, the big difference. Uh, Zion is eating us alive inside. I don't know how you legally defend him, uh, because every time I think we've defended him okay, we get a, a foul called on us, whether or not it's, it's valid. Yet we're down one, and I think we, I mean, the line was 17. I think we all kind of, we're like, oh, we'll just record it. We'll just record it at halftime. We're starting at halftime because this game's going to be a blowout. Because we just got washed by Georgia Tech at the Dome. You know, why would we compete at, at Cameron? But here we are. There are, of course, a couple complicating factors in there. Um, for one, Cam Reddish was sick tonight, did not play. Uh, Trey Jones has not played much. Um, he went out yeah, with an injury pretty early. Um, that did not look good for him. I think it was a shoulder. Um, I saw a wrist. Something, something happened there. Yeah. Which, so, especially for a point guard, not, not good. No, not he ideal. Well. He was playing really well. I think in general, like, I, I'm not going to discredit Syracuse if they happen to pull this off or even if they end up losing close. Like, I think that Duke should be able to beat most of the teams in the nation and should have this sort of talent um, gap, even with a team like us, um, to be able to pull off a win at home. Uh, they are the number one team in the nation. Couldn't tell you the last time Syracuse beat the number one team in the nation. I'm, I know we've done it. Uh, was Virginia number one? Um, they were number one seed, but I don't know if they were... I don't think they were the number one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This probably. I mean, this would be the best win, even considering the injuries and absences. Would be the probably best win of the ACC era by just by measure of the difference between the two teams' perceptions. I mean, we are coming off maybe not like I, I asked people on Twitter, and a lot of people said the ODU loss was worse than Georgia Tech, and it, that's probably right. Um, Georgia Tech felt worse, yeah, because we've done it a couple times this year, but we like really haven't we've, we've had some games where we've just laid down and 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 given up the last time we beat the number one team was at louisville in 2013 the year we went to the final four yeah i remember that i was Great game. I, I was i was at a syracuse bar in la i was in a hotel in the carolinas somewhere or atlanta maybe yeah that was a great game uh 70 to 68 at the yum center uh in a game where we you know never beat that team so uh, at the time at least but yeah going back to like this game like Duke is super talented. Obviously, we had no idea Reddish wouldn't play. If anyone was going to sit out, we thought it might be Zion because he had a really nasty, like legitimately nasty-looking eye injury uh, over the weekend. Um, and Reddish is coming off his best game of the season, uh, arguably, uh, in which he hit the game winner against Florida State. So, obviously, Duke has, like, something stacked against it, but they still have, with Zion and Barrett, they have a huge talent gap, and Zion is, is just unstoppable near the basket. Well, to be yeah, honest, we, I just think let him, at this point, let him score because it's not like putting somebody in front of him is doing anything anyway. And... That's true. <laughs> like, we're just giving them extra points and fouling our guy. Like, in transition, especially, we've had like two, we always do this. We foul in transition way too much. Right. Just let him dunk. I don't care if it's a highlight. Who cares? Like, just let him throw one down. Don't give him the extra point and don't get the foul. Especially when we're playing with 
like what three of our players have three fouls already so it's just you got to be smart uh and i know we're we're doing analysis on a game that people will know the end of um you know by the time they hear this but we're recording when we can unfortunately we're also getting the line which is nice uh 11 for 14 obviously duke is down the line more but that's been a huge issue for us we just have not gotten free throws so clearly we've changed a little bit um the threes are going down or falling down i i think we've taken better shots than we have the last couple of games but it's not like well you could, and you know. it's hard to do worse than the seven for 33 performance from right. that side in the last game yes and it is nice that like you know a third of our shots are from the outside and not like half when we're not a shooting team right uh, but yeah we've definitely um i think before we we hopped on here like we in our brief pre-show we were uh discussing uh before elijah hughes just made the craziest shot we've seen in a long time We've decided just to make this a trap meet, and I know that's Duke's game, and that's how you get Zion throwing crazy windmills and everything. That's fine. We're not a half-court offense. We can shoot a little bit. Like our, I think the shooting the shooting woes are more because we take bad shots and not that we don't have guys that can hit them. But, like, in general, I think we just haven't played a much transition offense this year, and that's a thing that I, I do think we should get more focused on. And at least then we can, like, make some weird things happen, and, and we have good transition players like Hughes hit some transition threes in the first half, uh, and can go to the basket. Uh, O'Shea and Tyus obviously can go to the basket. I just think we're, we're better off playing that way and taking our chances versus, like, playing that completely ineffective half-court game where we're passing the ball around the perimeter and, you know, occasionally Moret flashes to the middle, but, like, no one's really forcing the issue or doing anything interesting. So I'm kind of fine with this shift in, in how we're attacking, even if it's, it is against a team like Duke where you would think that's a team you don't want to attract me with. Yeah, to be honest, like I, I, I think it, it seemed counterintuitive to play a different style of offense. But what if this team is actually tailor made to play this style? And like, you know, Beheim just kind of resisted it for a while because, you know, rightfully so in many respects, he is, you know, obsessed with having, you know, an elite defense, and it's what's gotten Syracuse a lot of the things that, uh, that that it's enjoyed over the last few years. But realistically like some of the best Syracuse teams over the years like were good on defense the 2-3 zone worked to an extent but it was the fact that they had offensive playmakers and dynamic players with the ball in their hands um you know that 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 earned them wins I mean you know 2003 team was was good on defense but I wouldn't say that they were you know an elite group I mean (laughs) Carmelo Anthony's been run through the mud in terms of a defender for years and, and and while I'll defend him to to some extent you know, it's not like he was somebody who who had a ton of effort on on defense. I think a lot of the defensive effort um, at the forward positions, you know, went to Hakeem Warwick on that squad. So, like, I'm just saying in general, like a lot of these SU teams, a lot of the teams that people remember as fun and exciting and everything else, were, were, weren't teams that were playing in these slogs. They were teams that were that that could play defense well enough and also force teams to kind of shoot more, play catch-up than, than what we've done lately, which is, I feel like, play more and more into... we become a very scoutable team, and, and it's nice to see, is it win or lose in this game, that, that Syracuse is able to be a little less scoutable and, you know, uh, and play a little more fast and loose. I know uh, Kevin Wall from, from the blog was tweeting out during the game saying, you know, like, m- maybe the alternative for, for this squad is, like, no, no plays... No plan. Just just keep running and figure it out. And like Dan and I were talking about this, like as he mentioned in the pre-show thing quick, and saying, if you're a good defense, you're a good defense. And if this team's, you know, advanced metrics bear out, I'm fine with letting up a lot of points to Duke if if we're still creating opportunities and creating transition um, chances for Syracuse's offense on the other end of the floor. So like, you know, a lot of those metrics on Ken Palm are tempo-free and... So everything translates, and if again, if you're good, you're good. So let's put that to the test, and I think so far, um, despite the fact that Williamson has been able to get whatever he wants. Um, and Which, our, who cares? Yeah, like, he's, he was going such to. such a freak. You're just not going to stop him, but we've seen Duke lose this year. We've seen when they almost lost to Florida State on Saturday. They're incredible. They're great, but they're not unbeatable, and they're not unbeatable with Zion dominating. So, like, you can – and with any college team, like, we've seen dominant players put up huge performances and go down. Dietrich Lawson scores, like, 35 points a game for Kansas now, and they have lost a few games recently. So you can deal with one player getting his and and finding a way to, to overcome it because he's not going to store on every possession. It just – it never happens that way. Maybe two. I mean, R.J. Barrett's got 14 at halftime. Again, fully acknowledging to everyone at home that – 
Um, this game will be over, and he'll probably have quite a few more points than that when this game ends. But other than them, you know, 34 points for the two of them at a Duke's 49. Teams 14% from three. Like, we've seen this happen to Duke before where where they're they're obsessed with shooting threes and extending the zone, and that's that has its good it has rooting in 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 a good theory when you have the shooters and i think duke has some shooters i think this year though they they uh i think that they're far more dominant inside and 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 rely a lot more on size and that's probably where you see them start to pivot more um as this game wears on because it's where syracuse has been able to find a lot of its success it's also done the opposite of what normally does on offense it's been drawing defenses in and in this case duke's defense in um, with Tyus Battle driving the lane a ton, and it's opened up opportunities for Elijah Hughes outside, who's four for five from three, and you know hit four of the seven threes that Syracuse has hit in this game. Yeah, it's also interesting that we are only down one in the rebound battle, um, which is a, a place we've gotten <laughs> shredded in the games that we've lost this year. So, uh, and uh, and as you said, Duke's very big. Zion's a dominant rebounder. So yeah, good 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 early returns. And also to, to go back to your point on the the earlier SU defenses, like those 2010 and 2012 teams, who, which are I think most people, aside from the tournament success, um, I think most people would acknowledge the two best teams of the last since the championship. They both played really. They both had I'd say elite defenses, but they also got out and played good offense and they played transition offense. So it's not mutually exclusive. Right. And I do think, and I know like Bayheim critics, of which there are many. Uh, have been way earlier on this to, I guess, their credit, although they're just people just look for reasons to criticize Bayon for right or wrong all the time. I do think that they are on to something in terms of the whole, like, we've gone so we've gotten so dedicated to the 2-3 that we've recruited almost exclusively to play the 2-3 and it's kind of hurt our offense. I would say that with recruiting, like, Battle was a, was a pretty dominant, you know, guard in, in high school. There are some guys who, for better or worse, just haven't really become the offensive players that we thought we were getting. Obviously, Jalen Terry, it's too early to call, but, like, you know, he was an offensive player in high school, but he's a three-point specialist. We're getting uh, Joe Girard next year, who's a who's a shooter. So, like, I think we are kind of moving in the other direction again, so maybe he does realize it. But I do think we got so focused on playing the, like, lockdown, keep the other opponent to 50-point zone that we forgot that, like, you know, some of our best teams were really were elite defensive teams and then very good offensive teams. And you don't necessarily have to sacrifice that much defensively to still play a fun, effective style of offense that will often deal in transition. And also, because we're playing zone, not that it's not a high-effort defense. Like, so many people say, like, it's a lazy defense or whatever, which is really stupid. Right, just watch but, one game um, and you see that that's completely wrong. Yeah, it's a very high-effort, but it still probably taxes players less than running around in man-to-man the whole time. Yeah. So it gives you extra juice to do things like like play a transition offense. So it would be nice to kind of get back to those... Um, that style where if, you know, because we're such a bad half-court team and uh, most of the time we've had our moments, but most of the time we were just so ugly in the half-court, like, let's just play to our, let's just play to our strengths and say, you know, if you, I, I think Beheim, and I do mean this, like, to generally his credit, I don't think he's a huge fan of the three-point ball, but I do yeah. think he realizes that it's become such a huge part of, of both college and the NBA that he stressed it more. But unfortunately, this team isn't built for it, so we're just... And they have terrible shot selection, as you'll notice yeah, early in the first, second half. <laughs> taking open shots. In um, years past, we were just taking, like, no threes, and that doesn't work either. I do hope we... We have seen some games where we've found, like, more of a balance. So hopefully we can find, like, something between, like, we'll take open threes, because we do have a couple guys who can shoot. Elijah's a really, really good shooter. Yes. Tyus, I'm always fine with Tyus taking a shot, honestly. He's just... He knows, he knows himself. But everyone else is very iffy. And hopefully we can kind of get to a place where we're taking open smart jumpers and we're going to force the issue. And that opens just things up more for the offense. And it also keeps other teams uncomfortable when you're going from, you know, I can't imagine playing offense against the zone and then immediately going into transition defense is all that comfortable for a team. Cause it's such a whiplash of like styles and, and pacing uh, pace changes. So let's see uh, the second half just started. Uh, Elijah oh. just broke to three, <laughs> a, um, a very bad three. <laughs> Yeah. From like 40 uh, feet out. After our, yeah, and, and barely hit the rim. Obviously, I'm actually to play by play this whole no. time because you all have watched the game if you're listening to this. But... And I'm like 40 seconds ahead. Yeah, yes. I'm watching, I'm watching ESPN, which is so far behind, even though it's been like this for, for like almost a decade now. You'd think they'd fix it. Well, which makes uh, no sense, especially because it's on main ESPN. I know. It's very dumb. But uh, well, you'll, you'll be happy to know that we, uh, we scored in transition again and actually uh, completed a lob. 
Was it a Juku? Uh, no. Oh, it? <laughs> I, will, I will find out for myself. We're not going to do this the whole time. No. <laughs> um, I did enjoy earlier in this game, Duke, uh, on the wide open Elijah Pugh's uh, transition, or uh, not even transition three, just regular three. The uh, Duke defense had two guys shade over to stop a lob to Chuku. I'm like, have you watched this play yet? Like, did Coach State just not bother doing like video analysis for this team? No, that doesn't seem like it. Uh, I, I will say, strong with the ball one time this year. Yeah. He's not about to catch a backdoor lob behind Zion and and uh, Delorier. Well, that and the fact that like, yeah, like we we used to joke that like Big Hato was wearing Hulk hands when he was at SU, but like. Chuku might exclusively wear Hulk hands. Oh, so much worse. It, well, actually, no. You know what? He catches the ball. He just doesn't. He just has no confidence in the fact that he's seven foot two. And there are times where he's not. He has no one near him. But he in, immediately goes to like to like faking up and and clutching. And if there was a chance for, even if he's not like the strongest player, which he's not, like if he just went up strong with the ball every time he caught it right. when there was no defender around him, he would ha- he would average like eight points a game. He, he, like, double clutches and then allows the defenders to catch up and then gets buried under the hoop by a stronger defender and it's just a mess every time. It's so frustrating because I feel, I feel bad because, like, I, I think he plays hard. I think he, you know, obviously wants the best for, for you know, out of his play and for the team. It's just it's just something hasn't clicked. It's been, it's been a couple of years now, and you would think that eventually it would settle in because it's a very obvious thing that's happening. It's not, like, a mystery as to why he's struggling there. Yeah, I... I yeah, at this point, like I don't really understand like what what it's not to criticize the coaches too much, but I just don't really understand what's going on here in terms of like all you have to do is tell the guy just instead of instead of coming back down, double clutching and like doing something not. I would great, rather him get blocked every single time yeah. than do what he does. Well there's it, plenty of times someone... where he could literally just catch the ball in, in in air and put it up while he's up. Like he doesn't even yeah. need to come back to the floor. And the second he's he puts so the ball on the ground I know. The second he puts the ball on the ground, like then something's gone terribly wrong. I, I, I don't get it. Is that Alex O'Connell? I can't see very well. Oh god, this goddamn kid. Those might recall that Alex O'Connell was once a Syracuse uh, prospect until he, for some reason, I don't know why we didn't realize this before he committed to Duke, um, that he was a, uh, a legacy there, and there really was never a chance he was going to Syracuse. Yeah, I, I, he was one of the guys we offered, but I. He never even registered with me as a guy we might get. For some reason, though, people were talking about him like he could be for a little bit. But I don't think anyone realized he was a Duke legacy until he committed to Duke. Um, and now he's going to be like annoying, scrawny white kid that pisses us off for the next few years. Yep, he's going to be a tw- like, he's gonna average like 22 a game a senior year. It's going to be really frustrating. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hate it. Luckily, we have one of our own Duke players in Merrick Dolajai, who, uh, who's also going to average 22 a game. And, and, and I'll stick to Someday. that. Although, Someday, Marek will... I mean, the biggest problem for him is just being able to, like, stay on the court. And his best, like, we're best with him at center right now, which is a weird thing. But also, we can't quite, like, rely on him to not give three fouls in, in five minutes. So it's just... Especially against, like, this Duke team or, like, even Georgia Tech, who was not good, but did have, like, those big guys inside who just ate us alive. And that was just a... I, I think it was a kind of a bad matchup for them, for, right. for our team at the moment. It, not that it's used as losing to that team. We really shouldn't have. But yeah, it's just, uh, I think that game had a particular, like, Georgia Tech had, like, a bit of an advantage in a couple spots and just totally took advantage of them, and we just laid down like, the second half. It was very embarrassing. Sorry for the real-time reactions. I was, <laughs> we, we just completed a transition dunk. Oh. <laughs> this is. I, I can't wait to see that in, like, three minutes. I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. This is, this is actual basketball. This is why. Oh, I'm, I just saw the Alex O'Connell play. God damn it! Yeah, f that kid. This is why people like me, and I know yourself to a certain extent. Like this is why, like I can't even like pretend to to care about like regular season college basketball anymore. Is because this was getting to a point that I was getting to eventually. Was that like when Bayheim went all in on this ugly slog of a? It was really just him, Tony Bennett, like a couple others that were doing it. Then everybody started doing it, and then it became too easy to game plan for. Like, so I, I hope that this is SU kind of swinging back in the other direction and making an adjustment before a lot of other people do. Because, like, Virginia can do it, and we've said this probably for the entirety of this podcast run at this point. Virginia can do it because they just have very efficient shooters and, and, and guys who understand their roles and can also hit from outside um, with, with, with some regularity. SU, yeah, like, I don't really mind Virginia doing it. I know a lot of people, I mean, I know, like, you're not a fan 
I, yeah. you know, I don't love to watch Virginia, but at least they're efficient on offense. They are. We're we're inefficient on offense, and not by design. It's just like we're just so worried about this one thing that we've like given up trying to run it at offense. Uh, we have very few sets, um, and there are some games where we look totally fine, but then there are games where if we're if we're out of sorts for a bit, we just completely fall off the map. And and hopefully this like crazy stupid transition game that we've been playing today uh, is something that can at least like get us out of that out of that rut where we can like find a different way to score if like uh, if we can't solve a defense like we couldn't on Saturday. Right. I am so happy that just just speechless that this team is actually figuring something out here, and like I feel like I've jumped to conclusions a couple times with with this year's team. I think this one, I don't think it's a stretch to say that SU might have figured something out today. Because if you look at how every other team has played us this year, for the most part, save Buffalo, the idea has been play SU's style and see if you can get them to hit shots with some efficiency. Here, Duke decided, let's speed SU up and see if they can play at our level. Ends up we can. And I I, I do wonder if this is a turning point or whether or if Beheim goes right back to, you know, stall ball and the other crap that we've seen all season. That's a good question, because, like, I, we've... We saw Beheim made the adjustment with putting Marek at the five. Uh, I think he's still not sold on it, hence why he gets like the early the early pull occasionally. But like he's he's at least like he's at least done it and he's at least trying it. Um, I could see him going back, although I don't really know what you would because this team wasn't exactly. Th- I mean, we had a good four game run, right? Uh, and obviously, I think the wins over Clemson and Notre Dame are nice. They're not enough to get you to the tournament. Uh, but if you want to reach March and, and find a way to like to get yourself there where then our zone becomes an asset and we give teams fits like you still have to pick up some wins so I mean I, I think obviously it's, it's like one half plus of basketball that we've seen from this this game but I most teams aren't going to have like no other team is Zion who's going to start 20 no other team is Barrett like I could see this being uh, a pretty effective thing and then if you have a game where you're actually like playing well it's a bad defense or a defense that you're able to solve and you want to play a little more half court that's fine but um i definitely hope that we take away not being afraid to play at pace uh for the first time in a long time first time since that the 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 team that missed the tournament but again like defense was that team's issue uh not offense that team was stored fine just they couldn't stop anybody because they had a bunch of players being plugged in who didn't know the zone and it was a whole thing yeah that team was puzzling I still don't understand why it was referred to as, like, one of the better teams. But I will say there was a decent amount of, like, pseudo-NBA talent on that squad. I, I just think it was it was thrown together, and we thought it was going to be very exciting. But like We forgot how hard it is to, to learn like, the zone. Guys, I mean, almost everyone needs a year to learn the zone. Like, how many people step in as a freshman and play the zone well? Like, it's very few. Or even, like, passively to where it doesn't drive Bayham crazy. There's, like, a, 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 maybe a couple handful. Well, it's that plus, like you know, then add four years of of, of learning at least one other defense um, to that at the college level, and it, yeah, you know, old habits are hard to break. It's not exactly easy to just suddenly go, okay, like I played man to man, I played this style, and now suddenly I have to, you know, give all that up and and do something else. I mean, I would say that the transition from man-to-man to zone is probably much more difficult than the transition from Bayheim zone to man-to-man. And, and that's why, you know, among many other reasons, why the statements about, you know, Bayheim's players in the NBA are probably overblown because, you know, as, as you pointed out earlier, the, the critiques are pretty lazy when saying that, you know, this SU team's defense is is lazy and doesn't necessarily have the type of movement and, and effort that it takes to to run a man-to-man defensive set like this team is very active even in a game like this where they've given up a lot of points they're very active and it's a product of tempo uh not a product of you know a lack of effort they're letting they're letting zion do whatever the hell he wants and o'connell just happens to be lighting us up from three but beyond that like they're actually looking all right yeah i mean battles going nuts battles in a drop like 35, 40 points. Oh. He's 26, and we have 15 minutes left. O'Shea's um, also missing bunnies repeatedly. Yeah, which well, is, which is, that's the year. Yep. That's that's what we're doing this year. But the O'Shea thing, I mean, we've talked about it in year, in weeks past, and every time I think he's figured it out, he reverts. Uh, the O'Shea thing's been the most frustrating part of this whole season for me. Yeah, because I honestly think he can't go to the NBA right now. Like I, Oh, I, I don't know when, what, in what, and I don't know, I don't know. Hey, he definitely can't, like, he can't. He's not a good shooter. He's 
he's taking more shots and he hasn't gotten better at them and he's done he's just less assertive he's less physical like the the things that were that were assets for him he's shied away from in order to try to become a more well-rounded offensive player which i get but like at some point you have to like keep on doing the things you're good at and then add other things you can't just swap them out right um when your shot's not there i don't mind him taking like an open three he's not like a you know hopeless shooter but he also the, the fact that he still doesn't finish around the rim, and I just watched him miss another bunny, uh, which I think you were referring to earlier. Um, although there have been so many that I, I can't be sure is so frustrating. Oh god damn it! Yeah, we just jacked it. We just like we potentially just shot ourselves out of this game, just Zion's by like a step shot from the top of the yeah. top of the arc. But this this team's basically spent a whole bunch of the last like two minutes just jacking up ill-advised threes. And yeah, there's another one. Yeah, just jacking up ill-advised threes, missing bunnies. Like even if. If Brissett had even, he was even hitting like at a 40% clip in this game. Well, not 40% clip. He's almost at a 40% clip. If Brissett hit two more shots, then this would be much more of a game. I think we're starting to see Duke's athleticism and just ability just kind of create some separation. Uh, they're still not shooting great from three, but five of 22 is a hell of a lot better than it was in the first half. Um, and they're starting to, again, they're starting to create that separation, that distance. Um, SU's avoiding putting them on the line as much, which is good. But SU's also not getting to the line as much because we're settling for um, for threes. I know we're one for three in this half so far, and I assume there's many, many more to come. Um, but we've yet to take a free throw in this half, and that seems problematic considering it was like a reasonable part of the game in, uh, in the last half. Yeah, another issue... Um, dude's not a super deep team. Like they have the three big guys, two you know, two of whom watching four, two of whom are currently out of the game. O'Connell's stepping up for them, but like it's really focused on the two the two freshmen today. You know, when Radish is in there, he's he's been in and out, but he's he's had some huge performances. We are we are getting very little protection from our bench. Buddy came in and hit a three earlier, but Kerry has been basically a non-factor for a few weeks and and has really struggled in a lot of aspects. Chukwu and Sidibe. Uh, both still not complete zeros on the offensive end. Um, Marek hasn't scored today, and Frank hasn't scored today. So all but four of our points are from three players, and we're not going to have Gun Duke doing that. Sounds like last year. Yep. And we thought we had more. We thought we had more depth. <laughs> we thought we had more depth. We thought we had more. I mean, and here's the stupid part is that all these these people that are like notorious, like, you know, Syracuse doubters, are going to start, you know, claiming that like they saw this coming and like you didn't see it coming like this like you might you might have seen it coming that SU wasn't necessarily like a top 15 team sure and I saw that SU wasn't necessarily a top 10 15 team either so did you and so did a lot of other people but point being that like this wasn't the reason why though no we we all assumed people would get better and like in any way Hughes is great Elijah's been awesome um I look forward to his next two years like I think he could be one of the better players we've had in a while Tyus I still will not complain about because Tyus has given us so much this season already uh so many huge shots um Frank is just not he's just not a huge factor right now and occasionally plays really poorly um he had a nice team against Clemson which was good and then no showed not here. much against Georgia Tech and it's completely no showed here even after Tyus Jones uh, left the game, which was a tough matchup because Tyus Jones is great on defense. Dolzhai, complete non-factor right now. Uh, Sidibe, uh, Chuku are basically just fouling occasionally. Um, and, you know, Jalen, like, Bayhan can't play him because Jalen's lost on defense and turns the ball over so, so much. It's it's incredible. So, yeah, a real struggle. I mean, I think we, we all thought we would get a major... Uh, improvement from O'Shea. I think we all thought we'd get a major improvement from Marek. I think we all thought Frank would be at least the player he was last year. I think we all thought that uh, both centers would take a step forward. Or even just Elon... be the same player from last year, because they were two yeah. other guys who regressed. And then I thought Jalen would be a, a like playable uh, third or fourth guard. Um, if anything, like Buddy, I know Buddy has issues Like as a freshman. I think Buddy's probably been the one who's come closest to reaching like expectation he'll come in and he can hit a shot in a, a decent spot i know he started the season really cold but he's hit some big shots the last couple of games um he almost kept us in the george tech game himself basically uh so yeah that's a it's, it's unfortunate and uh we said a bit three so that was nice we're not looking bad unfortunately um duke isn't looking bad from three as well it's very problematic 
pretty sure we're going to get an offensive goaltending call here. We did because Chuku doesn't understand that you can't touch the ball in the cylinder. So enjoy that uh, in a few minutes. This must be great listening. I mean, people pe- pe- people wanted more. Oh, wait. We did they did want more basketball. We were doing this very <laughs> granular play-by-play of a game that will have been played somewhere between 18 and 36 hours ago. <laughs> yeah. You wanted more basketball, and God, we're going to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> we have not made one mention of football until this moment. Yeah, and, and even then. Which, also, if you're tr- keeping track at home, drink. Um, why don't we talk a little halftime, and then we can get back into uh, the, the exciting and frustrating parts of this team, which, what's the, uh, w- what's the season high this year for, for points? For Chiefs? Yeah. Let's, uh, I feel like we had one game where we actually looked like we knew what we were doing in offense. We had 84 uh, in forehead. Is that fast season high? Ew. Oh, God. I thought it was better than that. Yeah, 84 in forehead. Yeah, so we got a shot here. The, the, the one thing about this team is they don't have the weird game where they score 48. Like, this team will almost always score 60, just not very much more. They, they're in the 60s or 70s, like, almost every game. Yeah, as, as a rule. Which, past year, a few teams will have, like, some losses where they will literally only score 45 points. That was, like, um, like last year. I think year that's we... mostly because of Tyus and Elijah. Like, those two players are just good enough where they will get you to the 60-point mark. Oh, now we're, now, now we're playing volleyball. We're, we're doing, we're doing tip-out transition. This is... Who, who is this team? I am... Anyway, I'm having a lot of fun watching this game. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's talk a little beer and then we'll get back into it. We should just start like live streaming. Like uh, I don't know, I don't think anyone actually listen. Why would you ever do that? But uh, well, like, what like mystery science? Oh, yeah, or yes, same idea. Yeah, well, I mean, we were talking about this a couple of years ago, and this is you know some 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 cutting room floor stuff for people. Where like when Sean was still running the site, we were talking about like rewatching some classic games, like in both bad and and good ways. Uh, for Syracuse football and like and like just recording the reactions live, <laughs> so yeah, like we could have some, we could watch some really funny Syracuse football games. If we could find the find the the replays of them. Yeah, like I mean, the the, the number one would be like rewatching the the Northwestern 2012 game. Oh, do we have to? Well, I just remember being in the, the upper rage. Deck. Just it was 99 degrees in the dome. I swear, I was so nasty and sweaty because the dome. If you, you might have heard, not not air conditioned. It was so hot, and then we had the the penalty on um, uh, who was the who was the player, the defensive back? Was it Shamark? Jian Jian Lin. Oh yeah, you're right. It was Jian Lin. Uh, the horrible penalty call that tossed us the game. Oh, that was such a miserable. That was so 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 bad. Right. That was the fall after. That was the weekend back, and that was like I had graduated in the spring, and literally like my whole class just went back for the first weekend of school. Like we forgot we graduated. Uh, so it was fun otherwise, but that game, brutal. Um, anyway, beer. <laughs> yeah, so let's not watch that game again. Um, all right, Dan, what have you been drinking? Uh, I didn't have that much beer this weekend because uh, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. Um, I, t- I had a Tank 7 Farmhouse from Boulevard, and I'm currently drinking a Grapefruit Stulpin, uh, both of which are pretty standards for me, so nothing nothing too exciting, but good, good enough, nevertheless. Fair enough. I um, continue a little birthday drinking last week with a Backbone IPA from uh, Smog City. It was a, a pretty hoppy option from them that they just put out. As mentioned, I grabbed some cans from uh, from Modern Times when I was down in downtown LA. Had their uh, Comfort Zone uh, New England IPA that was made with Cellar Maker from up in San Francisco. Um, also stopped over at Hermosa Brewing. Um, over in Hermosa Beach, grabbed some Get On Up IPA and Liquid Gold. Both were pretty good and like clean, kind of West Coast style. Um, finished off some uh, Stone Tropic of Thunder Lager that I've talked about a few times here. And then had um, Ten Lords of Leaping, the brewery's, uh, not their 10th anniversary ale, but their Christmas series, for those that are familiar. Uh, it was a Belgian strong dark ale. Had a bunch of spices in it. It was a uh, like dark wit. It was pretty interesting. It was 10.5%, but definitely uh, drank like it was a lot lighter than that. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised by that one. But yeah, that was uh, nothing too crazy, but had a few things. Nice, yeah. It hasn't been a very heavy drinking year since New Year's for me, which not out of design, just hasn't been yet. But uh, I'm sure that'll rectify itself at some point, especially if Syracuse wants to keep on playing mind-numbing games like this. Not really mind-numbing. This one's like entertaining, just weird. This is a very Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball game we're playing right now. Oh, 100%. 
This, this is absolutely what happens when, when Syracuse football becomes the prevailing sport um, and, and then takes over the, uh, the, the hive mind that, that is orange sports. Hashtag football school. Definitely football school at this point. Although, I mean, we should show this, this tape of this game to the, to the football team and challenge them to score as many points because they might be able to do it. I know they could definitely beat the season average if they really put their minds to it. Depends on the opponent. If you have a straight opponent, yeah. You counted it, we just put UConn down and, like, not let up. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we didn't really put much effort into UConn, and we still, like, absolutely. Like, oh, we got a Beheim almost jacket. I couldn't play it at all. He tried. He, he made, he made a, a subtle attempt. Yeah, I just got back from commercial, so I'm aware I'm going to see something uh, unfortunate coming up here. You are. Anyway, did um, no Marcus Bolden still on Duke? Yeah, I feel like he's been there. Duke rarely gets those guys anymore that have like been there forever. It's like guys you know have been there for four years, or guys that like leave after one. He's also four for six in the field. Huh. <laughs> We're getting eaten alive by Marcus Bolden, the former five-star recruit who just hasn't really worked out. Um, although probably set some nice games recently, so good for him. I think he didn't have. It was Giles had injury issues. I'm not sure what Golden, what Bolden's uh, situation's been. Just recruited over repeatedly. Yeah, I mean, he was like a huge recruit back a couple of years ago. He's a junior now, so I just confirmed for staying because like a lot of those dudes lost a bunch of those ten of guys recently. Um, but if he's happy, good for him. Yeah, absolutely. No, you know what? Like, I, as I'm all for player movement and being able to do what's right for you, I also feel like kids shouldn't automatically feel like, especially at like a big school. God damn it. <laughs> shouldn't feel like that when they're at a big school that like every single year like after you were recruited that you're going to get recruited over um even if you're playing really well like i feel like that kind of sucks too so think yeah I, I think ever i i think there's probably a lot of pressure especially with these giant recruits who maybe don't pan out the first year to like jump to where they might play more and like if that's what you want to do totally do it that's a huge shot um but if you're like happy, if you're happy at Duke and you're you know not playing that much, but you still have a role in the team and you think you could still develop there, and maybe as a senior next year he has a breakout year, like yeah, stay if you want. Don't let anyone tell you to like you have to leave. But if you're not happy, then 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 go. And and it'd be nice if we had like a little more of a, a fair system in that regard. But I think we are slowly working things out, especially I mean in both both football and and basketball. As do feels like the transfer portal thing is, um, it is nice that we are seeing like incremental progress in that regard. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, I know. Stupid. Oh. <laughs> Stupid oh, Alex oh, God. He looks, he looks so much like Grayson Allen just slapping his knee. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, yeah, how do you... Why are we doing this? How, how do you get, like... Like, how do you recruit for that DNA? Of, like... <laughs> to just, like, pure douchebag. Hold, hold on. Notre Dame does it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Not that DNA. Different DNA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was, like, one step inside three-point line. That's... Oh, that sucks. I don't know if what you saw. I'm looking at the O'Connell replay, which yeah, he definitely wasn't inside the three-point line, so I no. guess we're talking about different things. Um, again, you are a solid minute ahead of me. All this experience tells me is that everything I've thought about um, not making the switch is, is warranted. It's just annoying enough to be, like, a thing. If it was, like, 15 seconds, it wouldn't be that big a deal. It's, like, just enough where, like, a lot happens in the minute. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like, especially in basketball. I feel like in football, you could probably get away with it more, just because. Uh, no, well, not yeah. not for us, but like for most teams. I feel like basketball, there's just way too much action in a minute. Yeah, that's probably right. Football, like you see it, and then you know, like the play is coming. You might have like you might be like one one or one and a half plays behind. Yeah, that's just that's too much. Frank's had a nice little resurgence here. I know we said we weren't going to do this, but we're just doing it. Um, Frank, you know, a couple jumpers here in the second half. He's five for seven all of a sudden. He has twelve points. He had he had zero points at halftime. Well, yeah. Admittedly, we also thought, and like this, this goes to show that the disloyal disloyal idiocy on this podcast. We actively talked about it when we scheduled this and said, "Well, we're going to get stomped to hell anyway." So yeah, we're like, "Oh, we're fine." <laughs> we were, we were, we were like, and I think we did that like right after the Georgia Tech game, so you can excuse us. Um, and also, I couldn't do Wednesday. John has stuff. Yeah, you know, I have, yeah, I have a baby who has a very like <laughs> has a very strict sleeping schedule, so I don't really have a lot of wiggle room so, where I once did. Usually, you might get a weird, a weird, uh, a weird rift tracks uh, of a game, but not. We probably aren't going to record the whole time, so 
So we will leave you in suspense. Uh, and by suspense, I mean not. Oh, wow, we so, just missed a transition just... dunk. <laughs> <laughs> now, this oh, game, oh we might just have to keep doing this because I feel like we're getting a lot of feedback on these episodes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not necessarily positive. Zion set shot like is so weird to me. Like, why does Zion shoot like Brook Lopez? I feel like he, yeah, I feel like he should have a much. If anyone has can get lift on their shot, like it's the dude who jumps like forty eight inches. This is weird. This whole game's weird. This is just such a strange game. Yeah, we're we're definitely gonna beat the uh, the season high, probably in a loss. And that's fine. Yeah, we have 72 with nine minutes left. We'll, we'll, we'll always have Elijah use his uh, three-quarter length shot. Oh, yeah. It'd be so much more fun if that was in a way. If we win by, if we win by like, three... Oh, no. Yeah. The, the rejected by the rim on the transition alley-oop. Yeah. Um, if we win by less than three... <laughs> if we win by less than three, then this... Then, then, then <laughs> it becomes redemption. so great. Like, Dan, talking hypothetically here... How many losses do you think a win here could eliminate? And 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 also for for everyone else, let's also frame this as either winning this game or beating Virginia. Like let's say a this game would make would be more important just because it's a road game. How many losses would a win at Duke or a win over Virginia like eliminate on the resume to you? At number one, dude, I think it eliminates like two or three. It's huge. Like everything, as long as you don't, every, as as you don't like immediately revert back to looking bad, you have to still like make it look like you you build your building on something. But if I think this would be a win, like if we're on the bubble, like they'll we'll get in because we beat number one Duke on the road, as we've done before, as we have done before. We've actually played, you know, relative to like most like what happened middling ACC teams as of late. Unfortunately, we're in that that group. We've played at Cameron a lot harder than most teams. Yeah, oddly, like we just we figure we know how to play there, which like, like not a lot of teams can. We're do. not super afraid of playing on stages, like like significant stages. Like it doesn't really impact us. Well, it's that we, we like, could lose anywhere. We could lose in front of fifteen people <laughs> at Boston College, but yeah, playing it, at Duke is not going to be a thing. Well, it's weird too because like people say that the claustrophobia of Duke, like they they say stuff about the claustrophobia of, of Duke, and they also th- say things about the like just expanse of the carrier dome you would think that a team playing in either of those environments would just play poorly in the other by default and yet we figure it out we also figure out how to lose like we, we, lately we figure out how to win at the NCAA tournament level but like we also figure out how to lose at very large venues too at the NCAA tournament uh, level so I don't really think it matters as much as people think in terms of having like where your home arena is I know people talk about oh that depth God. perception Super on the cool. shot yeah I know that, that that behind the back, like whatever the hell it was, like you know, like I feel like, like I skyhook when he just threw it. <laughs> how many uh, how many free throws? Like how many shots do you think Beheim makes Chukwu uh, shoot before he leaves practice every day? I, I what, two? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? what I don't want him taking that shot. Just dump the ball occasionally. I know. What, what if he's automatic in practice? He might be. Yeah, I know. Like. It, I don't really know a better explanation. So looking ahead slightly, because we don't want to make this entire episode about a game that will be over by the time people listen to this. Um, Pitt, Saturday. I haven't had a chance to really watch Pitt. I know they're better, and they yeah, couldn't get worse. Yeah. So. They couldn't get worse, so automatically. I mean, they lost to Niagara. Yeah, we lost to you. I don't know if um, I think, I mean, it's at the Dome. I would think that that would favor us. You would think that, um, but... I, think, I would think that. It's still but this is Pitt. Pitt. <laughs> I don't know what, um... I don't know, like... Like, we're so far removed from, like, the Pitt that we were so afraid of. Like, we're now two coaches removed. Unfortunately, Kevin, that means that we are a, uh... You know, the last administration removed here, because that was a very good one for us. But, um... Yeah, I, I wish I could be more confident. Like, we should beat Pitt. Like, that's the thing we should do. But Pitt's beating FSU. Yeah, like, they're just not bad enough to, like, totally rule it out. They have. I mean, not a lot they, else. They've tested Iowa. They tested NC State. They got blasted by UNC. They beat Louisville in overtime. They hung relatively tough with West Virginia. Um, yeah, this team be- concerns me. They're just, like, it's, I don't know what to make of them. <laughs> 
that, that that's the problem this year. I feel like and like we're we're sort of included in this for like non Syracuse fans, but like there's just like so many like stock ACC team like oh has a dynamic guard plays reasonably good defense can shock anybody on any floor like also has a forward that sometimes hits like like, like there's just check boxes that like I feel like half of the ACC has. So what you're going to end up with this year is you're going to end up with like six different nine and nine teams. And then like a couple teams that go like 15 and three. And then you're going to have, and you're going to have like a really good team that goes like four and 14. I, I look forward to the NCAA, the uh, Sergeant committee trying to sort out which nine and nine ACC teams to include and which ones not to. <laughs> especially when, especially when they all go three and three in the round robin against one another. Yeah. It's all not, none of it's going to be easy. They're all, and it's going to be, like, one of those things where, like, two get in, one doesn't get in, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, the one, that, the one that doesn't get in was projected as a nine seed, and the two that, did, that don't get it, that do get in were projected to be, like, the last teams in or out of the field completely, and they're, like, safely in. Because that's what we do in college basketball. Like, I guess, Dan, how, how would you rectify the, the, the situation? Because at this point, like, we've established that the net is, is, is garbage. We've also established just having people sit around in a room is probably garbage for a 68 team field. For a 14 field like the college football playoff is probably fine. But like where so like where's the balance for you? Like like what what metrics do you include which don't you? Is there a is there a demand to have the same metrics applied to to every team because I feel like that that's probably the biggest issue that most people have is that what 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 is a strength for one team is not for another. Um, I think that they're, they're the quadrants and net were created in part to fix that. But I don't think they've worked to this extent, even if it's only been like a year or two with that. Yeah, I mean, we need to see the net for a full year. Not that I have a lot of faith in it, no. but we, I think we need to see it out for the rest of the season, which we will. It's not like we're getting rid of it. But um, it, that's what's so tough. And, and I guess like the one thing you will say, and it's unfortunate to see he's been in the position so many times recently, we shouldn't be as concerned about the 68th team, really. Right. Like, I think at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal as long as you get like the the correct like top half of the at larges in, um, because so many of them just don't have a realistic chance to, to win it all. Yeah, where um, and, and and it's also keeping in mind that like just because you can run through the first two weekends of the tournament after barely getting in doesn't mean doesn't mean that you should get the opportunity to. Yeah, I mean we see this all the time. Like With after <laughs> after in the college football playoff, like and it's just, it's just at a a much different scale, but like just because Notre Dame got run out of the building by Clemson doesn't mean that they shouldn't have been in, like, or that Georgia should have been in because then Georgia lost to Texas by by multiple touchdowns. So like, you have to just take take the data as as what it is. Um, I would always prefer a more uh, well regarded uh, metric. Like, I know they consulted with a bunch of people to make the net rating, but like, you can also I I, I guess like Ken Palm. I don't know if it's appropriate to use Ken Palm. So like sort team says it's an efficiency rating and not like a not like a necessarily like exactly what you're looking for, but like I, I don't know. Just find the smartest people and come up with something instead of trying to like reinvent the wheel every year and, and just stick with it. And then if you want to like have someone then take those sixty eight teams and sort them. But to have like these rating systems like overlaid on a group that selects them is kinda of, kinda of silly to me. Yeah, like, I... the only the only problem is like I think then they worry about like someone trying to deem the system. But you already have that going on. They call the block there on on they call the charge. Yep. Oh god damn it! That's like the third time I've heard Billis say that he was wouldn't call the thing that went against us in a giant spot. Which is crazy considering he is a Duke boy. Yeah, although I do think Billis is is pretty. He is actually good about yeah. He's actually pretty pro Syracuse too. Yeah, he likes he likes SU. I, I think Billis is is about as good as you'll, you're ever gonna get at someone putting aside their their alma mater biases and like and if he you know says something pro Duke like like I tend to still trust him on it. So yeah, he's I, I think he's he's fairly realistic. I could you just imagine unless, like, unless it's talking with the NCAA in which case and I'm usually almost always with him they they will never win. <laughs> yeah, I could you imagine like if if. Teams actually had to guard all five players on the floor for us. Because Chukwu just sits in space. Like, sits. Just parked. In space. And, and that's why Marek, like, that's why our offense in the half row looks so much better with Marek. But, like, right now, we just can't play him at center. Not that Chukwu and, and, and uh, Sidibe are doing much better. But you can't play Marek when Zion is going to, like, literally murder him 
if he's in there. So like, I kind of get the short the short pull, but like when when we have a matchup where we can play him at center for long minutes, like our offense looks a lot better because even though he's not hasn't been a factor in this game, like there are games where he can score twelve points and shoot the ball a little bit and like make the make the defense work from all five positions. So the fact that he, I mean, we just need him to bulk up. Like it's not going to happen this year. But we really need him to just get up to like a legit 200 pounds. It's it's like the best thing he could possibly do. Yeah, I uh, I don't understand. He's like a foot taller than me, and we're almost the same like size. I just just eat a pizza a day. I don't give a shit. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm sure those aren't the carbs you're supposed to be adding, but like I don't care. <laughs> like just just thank just, God Duke is shooting some absolute bricks, despite being wide open for most of them. Oh. This is going to be a tough last four minutes. Uh, yeah, you know, I I kind of feel like we got to stick this one out. <laughs> we, we can do it. We can, we can let it run. I mean, I'm not doing any work. We've, we, we've come this far. But, like, will people actually listen to an, an hour and 20 podcast talking about a game that they already watched? I mean, they can fast forward if they want to get our, our reactions to the end. I'm also watching producer Lewis wildly uh, just throw his hands up in the air. He can't say anything because he doesn't want to... I mean, he can say whatever he wants and he I mean, like, like, not. No, like any, like any respectable show, we do oh, have a producer that like yells... He has a lead. I know. Like, like any good good radio show, we have a producer in the background that like occasionally says shit. That's true. If he wants to yell something, I'm not going to stop him. Yeah, same. I don't... I just It's just been really entertaining watching him like really aggressively throw his arms in some direction at as a play is happening. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that like win or lose, I actually have like something positive to write about now. Yeah, no, this is very hard. Like honestly, like I don't love moral victories, but this is very heartening because like that Georgia Tech game, we completely laid down and died. Yeah, that was that, that was tough to watch um, for, from what I did watch, and uh, I, I kind of. As some people know, especially in the beginning parts of the basketball season, I kind of just try to go on with my life when there isn't a game, even when there is a game, if only because of how much I'm kind of tethered to the television during football season, that I could use some quality of life improvements. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, this was a fun football season, so I got to enjoy most of it. Um, but I still decided to give myself a little bit of breathing room. And, you know, I, during ACC play, I've been like kind of in and out. I've allowed a lot of other people to take over a lot of the basketball writing. James has done an incredible job. He's down at the Duke game right now, and he's going to be at a bunch of other road games this year, which is great. The fact that we have someone that we can trust with basketball coverage in large part is great. And, and you know, James and Dylan and Andrew and Bobby and all the other guys like have done a great job. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really great to, to have that sort of support. But when, when we have a game like this that's actually watchable and the team's fun and it's not like a, a it's not ending my life early, um, I, can, I can actually like write something and not feel like awful about it, which is great. Yeah. And, and like win or lose, like I think we've hopefully taken a big step. Now we could always erase it because that's happened, I think, multiple times this year. Uh, the Ohio, after the Ohio State game, after uh, the 14 winning streak recently. But if we actually take like what we've done well in this game and, and move it and have it moving forward, like. Do 75% beneficial. of what we did well in this game going yeah, forward. Yeah, we'll beat a lot of ACC teams that way. How like, many? I mean, like I most do of test a few times, but like. Syracuse can beat some of these like some of these teams, especially if we're going to get offensive out. If we're, if we're going to get this, this second half, Frank Howard, that's huge. This has been his best stretch of basketball this year. He um, actually like, literally, like, he's shooting the ball well. Like like you can even see in the shooting motion. Like he looks good. Yeah, if we get battle going to the line, seven for seven from the line, he's twenty eight points. He's actually like because O'Shea and, and Howard have come on, like we we've taken a little bit of the heat off of him, and, and obviously late game, I'm sure he'll be getting the shots. Uh, I don't think Elijah's actually scored in the second half, which is crazy. Because, like, he was really the one with his shots taking, keeping us in it in the first half. So it's nice that some of these other guys have kind of taken the load a little bit. Um, and, and even Chuku has six points now out of nowhere. So um, hopefully we can kind of, like, you know, translate this going forward. And, you know, even if we lose this game by a couple points, if we can go beat up on a pit, beat up on a struggling Miami team, maybe get a nice win at Vatek, like, there will still be something to be gained from this. And obviously we're up one as of this moment on this recording. Um, so no. it's certainly not like we're not handing anyone a, a win here yet. Man, did not expect, we really did not expect this. No, 
Marcus Bolton's also just like abusing us down low. Like it doesn't seem like we, we get our hands on every single board and and just get like leveled by him and nobody's calling anything. Which yeah, that's not a great wrinkle in you know. Not, I don't think Duke really needed help down low. So that is thirty two. This is this this is silly nonsense. This this entire game is just like absolutely like ludicrous stupidity. See, the the, the dumb thing about continuing this podcast to the end is that I'm going to find out what happens first. <laughs> And chances oh, are, and chances are, we're gonna need that, like that thirty to forty seconds. Uh, I didn't think about that, even though we discussed the the gap that we are experiencing the world, experiencing the world with right now multiple times. Oh my god! Could you imagine again? Like I literally just watched Chuku sit in the middle with nobody on any side of him. He literally cleared path to the basket, and we still didn't pass him because we can't. Our offense would be so much better. It would change the the, ge- the, uh, the geometry of the court for us so much if we could actually pass to him in the middle of the, in the middle of the defense, and it's just not a, not an issue. They can just leave they can leave whomever they want there. Yeah, this is like I just think it's so rare to have this sort of like black hole on offense where like there's absolutely nothing like that. Just even throwing him the ball is just like a liability. Yeah, because even by like by still catch the ball, but when he caught it. Like, Bai would go up with it, and Bai right. could be a, an issue, and now Bai was also money from the free-throw line. So, like, there were, like, if he got the ball and secured it, like, it was it was a problem for the defense. <laughs> it's just not the issue here. If, if you added, like, a real center to this team, this team would be fine. Yeah, also, where's, like, this, I mean, he's not, he hasn't really been in the second half here, but, like, where's the Barama from the pit game last year? Where's a lot of people at this point? I mean... Delajai really hasn't been out there much. Um, no, I think we're just terrified of, of whatever's going to happen if we put him in. That's fair. Uh, Ty's battle's 10 of 22 now. Yeah, apparently Barrett has, lost, has missed his last 11 shots. We've only taken two free throws in this half. That's not great. All right, so we're down one with a minute 32. I think the actual stop just happened, so we might be in the same same part of the game here now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is... Now we're going to show the replay of the three-quarter length shot again. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, also I fine watch, with that. If we win that game, I'm going to watch that shot so much. Even if we lose like, this game, I'm going to watch that shot. <laughs> it's it's just not effortless. Like shot because it didn't like it wasn't like the, the actual game winner. Right. But good lord. Well, yeah, like that. That that's, was the last shot, but that was when we missed, and that wasn't as long, but it was a little more dramatic because it won us a game. Right. That's the last like big, like crazy shot like that we hit. I yeah, I, I watched that from my office. I remember my buddy um, Scott, who I used to work with, also went to SU, and like we were watching the end of the game before heading out of the office, and like I just remember like running through the office screaming. But that that was a fun season for for many many reasons, as as, as everyone here will know. Also, Duke fans don't really. I think one of the Duke fans is wearing a bright orange hat, which I don't really understand. Like the one that when you see O'Shea do the inbound. Sean was tweeting out earlier too that like some fans brought like oranges. Like why? Do you are you supporting us? Like are you is it a reverse jinx? Like what are you what are you trying to do exactly? Like remind us of our nickname. We were right. aware. Like, yeah, no. we know. Like if you if you squeeze the orange, if you yeah, but then the, yeah, you don't want to squeeze the orange because then you have orange juice all over you and somebody really sticky and uh, uh, yeah. I don't like that. All right, now now we really test it out because now we get to see. Not that Jim Beheim goes into stall ball, but can this team actually like close out a game? Well, we know we have closed out games because we, and it's usually Tyus just hitting every clutch shot. Um, I know we are. I haven't seen the bucket that we just stored. I know we are up one with under a minute because I have ESPN open. Sure. I'm gonna try not to spoil this day for Lewis, who is not looking at his computer. <laughs> he is only looking at the TV. This is uh, this is awful. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just like like I said I didn't care about this game and now I'm like sick to my stomach. That's how it happens, man. It, t- it touches you. Are you shitting me? The best part is I can't tell what you're react. I can't tell if it's a good are you shitting me or a bad are you shitting me. Oh no, this is a bad one. Oh uh, great. That's that's absolute horseshit. At the end of a Duke game, no, never. <laughs> We're gonna need. This is like the one part of the podcast that needs to be edited down. <laughs> we just have long gaps of silence as we're watching completely different parts of the basketball game. Yeah. 
Well, the, the, let's. Oh, if that floater had fallen. Yeah, you're like you're like two minutes behind. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, it, don't it know gets how worse. Either. I don't know. I think at like commercial breaks, it just like gets extended out. Yeah, I don't. I don't really get it. Uh, if this thing goes into overtime, uh, we we can't join them in overtime. No, if we win in overtime, maybe we can hop back and put like a like a a second like mini podcast for like three minutes. Yeah, I I, I think that that's. I think that that's only fair. We can, like, react. I don't think I can handle... Actually, no. You know, I'm, I'm in a pretty emotionally temperate place right now, so I can handle overtime. I don't know that I want to. Yeah, I, I, I emotionally can't do that to myself. <laughs> I'm just... It's just... There, there's just too many things that... that I, yeah, like, like I, I realistically, like, can't... Like, I used to be able to pull off, like, all-nighters or minimal sleep and still deal with a game like this and work and everything else I, i'm too old for that shit i i just physically and emotionally can't deal if we had uh, this it's only 9 p.m if we had over time i might just go to bed after this game <laughs> i have no reason to <laughs> uh i mean over here it's only six so i feel like that would be quitting on life in a lot of ways if i went to bed at six thirty. <laughs> But yeah, we, we, we've come too far. Um, Lewis probably edits this, or maybe not. Who knows? Um, longest podcast we've ever had is like 90 minutes, and that was predictably like a Syracuse football season preview. But uh, yeah. This, you, definitely, this has to be like among the long. It's only an hour 10, which isn't... We've had some longer ones, but like this one we're just drawing out because of a very specific thing, not that we just like rambled for a while. Yeah. I, so yeah, I'm at 11 seconds. We just went to the timeout. 11 seconds tie game after Zion missed the second... Uh, the back end of that that free throw, uh, the two free throws. Um, hmm. I should probably close ESPN. I don't know why I'm like spoiling this for myself. Yeah, seriously. Although I guess then you know what I'm reacting to. Yeah, well, it, it comes in too late though. Like it comes in like a little bit after, but then like I have to. Fuck! Why would you do that? <laughs> All right. Is that not a, not a good one? No. Not not a positive. All right, so Lewis can edit this, but we're going to sign off, and um, and then if Lewis wants to add a like sound clip or one of us can, whichever, I don't really care. I just don't understand. You'll you'll see what I don't understand of why we made a decision. I didn't realize we weren't in the bonus. We just got fouled the first time. All right, I see we're doing overtime. Sorry, Lou. All right, so do we want to? want to close this out and then if we win we can come back and react and if we lose we'll not do that just why would we do that to ourselves i think even if we win like at this point like let's just like if you if, if lewis wants to just oh. record yeah i know that's just such a stupid fucking shot just like we didn't need a three we literally just needed a two just pass it in or just drive the lane nobody was there he had enough time it wasn't like the worst look but he had enough time to do a better shot yeah like just drive the lane man anyway um well, I hope everyone enjoyed the, uh, the unintended Duke livecast. Uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trillion's and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and uh, go Orange. Go Orange. Hope we win. Syracuse has won 95-91 in overtime. Uh, you just listened to John and I talk about this game for about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, Lewis and I are here at our New York apartment. Um, Pastel Supu. Uh, MVP of 2019, I think so. <laughs> what, did, did he get better last year? Was it 19 or 18? Uh, I think it might have been 18 boards. Yeah, highest 32 points. Um, incredible defensive standard, although Duke really looked shook on that last full possession they had. Thank God we did not foul someone who we were going to. I have no words for being able to plug that game after the Georgia Tech game. I don't know. All I can say is uh, Co-MVPs to Pascal Chukwu and Jack White shooting over 10 from 3 tonight. Jack White did us a real solid in the overtime. I think that's three threes in the overtime, which is remarkable. Uh, and they were decent looks, and then Zion first one from the corner, uh, which was wide open. Like, Duke had a really, really poor shooting night, but I did think, like, coming in, the zone might give them some issues, but, but I assume their athleticism would overcome it. Um, yeah, it's not to ask much more for this podcast, but I, we promised to, to tap something off if we won. Syracuse won. It is uh, an unbelievably huge resume builder after one of the worst losses we've had to go in a while. Yeah, so Syracuse is confusing. There's your there's your lesson learned. Yes, as always. So this is the the vocal debut on the podcast for Lewis.
Yeah, so I'm going to sign off after this quick uh, cap. I'm sure uh, everyone on the site will have a lot more on this that you can read. Uh, thank you for sticking around for like an hour and almost an hour and a half of just nonsense in this game. But what a game it was. And I'm sure you all won't mind you living it. So, uh, for Dan, for John earlier, for Lewis now, yeah, go orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.